and welcome to Therapy Etc. Podcast, a bi-monthly conversation where we will be discussing everyday life experiences that create an impact. And when you think about it, in one way or another, everything creates an impact. And therefore, all of these things also encompass mental health. I'm your host, Patricia Alvarado, a licensed mental health therapist and first-generation Latina from Los Angeles, California. To find more information, please visit my website, alvaradotherapy.org. And while I hope you love listening and learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for mental health services. Okay, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Therapy Etc. I have my very special guest here today, uh, Gabby, and I will let her introduce a little bit about herself before we get into um, a very interesting topic and hopefully a topic that many people um, can hear um, and relate to, depending on what's going on with you. So Gabby, I'll let you start. Thank you. And thank you so much for the invitation to join you today. Um, <laughs> my name is Gabby gonzalez Young. My pronouns are she, her, ella. And I am a Southern California native, um, born and raised in Fontana. Um, shout out to anyone listening from the 909. Hey. And, um, <laughs> you know, proud graduate of UC Santa Barbara. And I'm currently living in Inglewood um, with my husband of almost five years. Mm-hmm. And um, I just like one thing about me, I'm a very proud Thea to two nieces, two nephews. And I always say that um, it's my life's goal to be the world's best Thea. Oh, I love Happy that. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Gabby, I met you in undergrad in Santa Barbara. Um, so fun fact, or I don't know if it's a fun fact or not, but do you still love the lime, color lime green? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I always have. I always will. But yeah, I met you in the fall, in the spring of 2005 was when I met you. Uh Um, And yeah, lime green has been my color, right? Uh I claimed it as my color back in middle school and nothing's changed. Even I incorporated it into my wedding. Um, Uh You know, I try to sprinkle it here and there wherever I can. (laughs) Um, but yeah still obsessed with that color always have always will my engagement ring is um is also lime green it's a peridot stone which is also my birthstone but um, yeah yeah I remember one of the first memories and I think I told you this recently is I remember you had a velcro like track suit (laughs) (laughs) it was a bootleg juicy couture suit because I couldn't afford juicy back then and it was lime green. So here's this girl walking down the parking lot. She was helping us out with a situation we were having. And she's coming out in her lime green <laughs> tracksuit. I was like, hey, girl, you're rocking it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember, but it wasn't just the lime green tracksuit. It was also the lime green flip-flops, chunklas. It was the uh-huh. lime green eyeshadow. It was the lime green backpack. <laughs> it was like the whole thing. I was, yeah. That's, um, we don't talk about those times anymore. Okay. I've learned, I've grown from that. Um, but yeah, still my color yeah. to this day. <laughs> well, so, um, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we've still, uh, remained good friends since our days in undergrad, but now, you know, recently we went to dinner, maybe a couple months ago, I think it was, and you shared something with me that I really felt like was like, I, I was so appreciative that you were open to sharing 
um, this very intimate piece and even more so that you were um, open to sharing it with our listeners. And so it is um, an autoimmune disease that you uh, were diagnosed with a couple of years ago. And so I really wanna know a little bit more about your story as much as you feel comfortable sharing. Um, and I think yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the, the nutshell version of the story is in March of 2019. Um, I was suffering from double vision. It just started one day all of a sudden and everything I was seeing was double. I mean, I'd go to work and I'd be talking to a coworker and that there'd be double of that coworker. I'd be writing wow. something down and I'd have two pens in my hand. And I didn't know what exactly was going on. And, um, you know, after about the second week or so, I was like, you know, I should really go get this checked out. Mm-hmm. And so it was a Saturday morning. Um, JPL, my husband, uh, we went to, and I, we went to the eye doctor. And I said, you know what, maybe I just need new glasses, you know, whatever. Go to the eye doctor. I explained to her everything that's going on. And she's like, oh, she's like, well, let's get you checked out. So she runs an eye exam. And she comes back and she says, your eyes are fine, but you need to go to the emergency room and get an MRI. And I said, oh, like an MRI. Yeah. Like that's not very common for your eye doctor to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, uh, I was just like, why? And she's just like, you just, she's like, you need to go and you need to go now. And I said, okay, well, let me like, just pick out my new glasses, you know, whatever, I'm going to get new lenses today. And she said, no glasses, you're going to the emergency room right now. And so I look at JPL and I was like, okay, well, let's go find an emergency room, you know, that can do an MRI today. And so um, we walked to the car, we started Googling and like calling hospitals in the area. This is in Marina Del Rey and uh, UCLA Santa Monica. They're like, yes, we have an emergency room. We can do an MRI today. If you need one, come on in. So we go in and, you know, as we're driving to Santa Monica, you know, I was just like, I wonder why she's making me go get an MRI. Like, do you think she's just being overly cautious? And he's like, yeah, probably. She just wants to like, you know, just make sure that she's ruling everything out. And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. So um, we go to the hospital, I check in and I'm just telling them like, hey, I have double vision. I can see two of everything. My eye doctor wants me to get an MRI. Here's her paperwork, like her recommendation or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh I get the MRI done this is hours later yeah um the ER was so packed that I was on a gurney in the hallway because there were no more rooms wow and um I get the MRI done and then like two hours after that a group of doc a team of doctors come to my bedside on the gurney and I'm seeing doctors I hadn't seen throughout the day Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them introduces himself and he's the head of neurology for UCLA Medical. And he says, uh, we received the results of your MRI and um, we see uh, lesions in your brain. There's scarring in your brain. And that is indicative of multiple sclerosis. We're going to keep mm-hmm. you here for the next several days to keep you under observation. Um, so you'll be registered into a room shortly. They asked if I had any questions. I was in complete shock. And I looked at them and I just remember saying like, MS, like what? 
how, why I'm 32 years old, I'm healthy, I'm young, you know, like, yeah. what do you mean MS? Yeah. And, and they said, we'll, we'll walk you through it. But in the meantime, let's get you registered into a room. And, and I looked at JPL and I just, the first one thing I just remember telling him is call my brother. Mm-hmm. I said, call my brother, tell him not to tell mom and dad. He needs to know what's going on. And JPL walked out because we were in a basement, like in the hospital. So we didn't have reception. Mm -hmm. And I was admitted to the hospital and I was there for five days. And during those five days, um, they ran a bunch of tests and uh, they all came back to, uh, I have the scarring in the brain and the scarring in the brain um, impacted one of the nerves for my eyes. And uh, that's why I was seeing double vision. Mm-hmm. I was told that uh, it's a progressive disease and it would get worse. I was told that I would have a relapse and I would be back in the hospital six months later. I was told that that instance was my eyes. The next instance could be um loss of being able to use my limbs, loss of speech. They just pretty much gave me the laundry list of things that could go wrong the next time because of this disease. Oh my goodness. And that's where it all started. That was March, uh, March 9th of 2019. So you're, you're sitting in and, you know, thank you so much for, for sharing this. Like, no words, you know, and it's, I can only imagine what you were going through at that time. And, you know, now like there's, they're reading off this laundry list of things that can happen. What kind of things are running through your head though, as all of this is happening right in front of you and almost like no control. Yeah. You know, I, um, the first night in the hospital, I didn't sleep at all. And I remember I'd, I'd wake up every, let's call it hour on the hour. And I was just crying and crying. And, you know, at that point, you're just, you're freaked out. Like there's just no words. I mean, interestingly enough, at that point of March of 2019, in February of 2019, Selma Blair, the actor, she had just done an interview with Good Morning America because she was also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And that February, she did a red carpet where she came out with her cane. Mm-hmm. And that's when the world knew that she had MS. Mm-hmm. And so she did this shocking, you know, revelation interview with Good Morning America about uh, her disease and so that was very fresh. That was, I had only seen that interview. I had seen that interview maybe three weeks before this happened to me. Yeah. yeah. So to have that so present, right, of knowing what MS is, seeing Selma Blair, right, seeing, hearing her talk about the symptoms she was going through. Uh, she's actually, at the time, she was talking about launching a new cane business, right, with like pimped out canes, basically, like mm-hmm. the best I can describe it, mm-hmm. um, you know, for folks with who have issues with mobility. And, uh, 
and I just remember thinking about that interview and thinking about Selma Blair and, and I was like I'm going to be Selma Blair like I'm going to get to that point too where uh, right now it's my eyes but like the doctor said you know next time I may not be able to walk I may not be able to use my hands I may not be able to verbalize uh, how I'm feeling I may have loss of speech and as I'm sitting there in the hospital bed um, I'm just thinking like I'm 32 years old I you know don't have kids will I be able to have kids yeah what does this mean for my career you know what does this mean for my marriage you know like is my husband going to be okay dealing with this for the rest of his life um do I need to move back in with my family so everyone can take care of me you just your mind just takes you to very very dark places and it's just fear like fear grabs you and uh it's so hard to shake it yeah and then uh I think the third day in the hospital they did a spinal tap test on me which is uh they basically take a fluid from your spine and then you're Mm -hmm. bedridden flat on the bed for 24 hours straight you can't get up um and they said that that spinal tap fluid test was going to be indicative of how advanced the ms was because i the signs were in the brain but Mm -hmm. uh and that's also impacts the spinal cord. And that's where folks lose mobility in like their arms or legs, their limbs. And, uh, and, you know, so they do that test and I had to wait for the results of that test too, which is so scary. Right. So stressful, not knowing. Exactly. It's like, you don't know, like it's bad, but how bad is it? And uh, finally on, so I went into the hospital on a Saturday I worked the entire time. I set my husband to go pick up my laptop from the office. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to distract myself. Mm-hmm. And if you know me, you know, I'm a workaholic. I just, I worked, I had meetings. I uh, did my projects and I did just try to live my life as normal as possible when you're in a hospital gown in a hospital. Uh, I just went into defensive mode and like self-protection mode. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I was just like, I'm going to live my life as normal as possible. You being in the hospital hooked up to machines and people coming in every two hours to run tests on you, that is far from normal. But that was my self-preservation tactic, Yeah, you know, to just keep things as normal as possible. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I, I feel like I... I don't know too much about MS. And so what exactly is it? Um, did they share like how, how did it develop or anything like any historical stuff that they share? Yeah, so, so what MS is, it's uh, your own immune system attacking the, let's the best way I could describe it. It's my immune system attacks the casing around the nerves in my brain. And it's called the myelin. And so my immune system somehow has identified my myelin as like intruder. 
goes in there, attacks it, breaks it down. And so my nerves are then exposed. And that's where things start to happen, like the slurred speech, loss of speech, blurred vision, um, double vision, like what I had. Actually, double vision is very common as like an initial symptom. Um, you know, really bad headaches, um, fatigue. And we're not just talking like, oh, I'm tired. It's like, no, very extreme, deep, extreme fatigue mm-hmm. where you just, your body cannot function. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't know what really causes it. They, there is no cure for multiple sclerosis right now. There are medicines to, um, to help stop the progression of it getting worse. Um, but no one really knows why. What we do, what is known is that it's more common in women than in men. Um, interestingly enough, it's, um, I wrote this down because I was just like, this is so important. Um, women, according to the national MS society, women may be up to three times more likely than men to develop multiple sclerosis. And I didn't uh, even know this. The timeframe for, um, for diagnosis is around, uh, our most fertile years. So late twenties to mid thirties is Mm -hmm. that age, that age range where it's most prevalent in women. Wow. Wow. So you're, you're in the hospital and at day five, what was a determining factor that you were able to, to go home? A determining factor was uh, the whole time I was in the hospital, I was doing these steroid treatments via IV. Mm -hmm to bring down the inflammation, bring down the inflammation, restore my vision. Mm-hmm. So initially they were like, we're going to give you this IV treatment. You should be out of here in two days. Great. Nope. Those two days they came in and I was like, I'm still seeing double more steroids, more steroids, more steroids. So finally Wednesday morning they came in and I didn't see double anymore. So they're like, okay, we'll discharge you today at like 2 PM. Um, and you know, it was going home and, uh, I just, I remember we came home to the apartment and, uh, I told JPL, I said, I said, you should go buy me a cane. I said, you should go buy me a cane because this thing's going to get worse. And I don't want to wake up one day and like need a cane and we don't have one. And uh, I remember he looked at me and he said, he said, I'm not getting you a cane because we're going to beat this. And I said, okay. And um I mean, the grief is real. And to anyone that may be going through something similar, whether it's a diagnosis for yourself or a diagnosis for a loved one, um, the the grieving process is very, very real. And it's just the acknowledgement of what is my new normal. 
right how life could potentially be or even thinking back on how life could have been or all of these thoughts that are coming up at this time right yeah I mean at that point your mind just starts racing like when does that mean I can go on vacation because I was discharged from the hospital on Wednesday and on Thursday we had a New Orleans trip planned I was supposed to be on a flight to New Orleans that Thursday and my doctors cleared me to go. But again, you all know I'm a workaholic. I get discharged on Wednesday, Thursday morning. I'm back in the office acting like nothing happened. People are like, oh, you took some time off. Yep. Took some time off. Uh, one of my coworkers was like, oh, were you in the New York office? I was like, yeah, I was in the New York office the whole time. You know, just tried act, you know, call it the stigma, the, I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was not, I, I didn't want to share it with anyone. I was just like, right. no, I was in New York. We're, we're good. We're good. Great meeting on Tuesday. You know, just playing it like nothing happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to work on Tuesday, on that Thursday. My flight, our flight was at like 6 p.m. to New Orleans that Thursday night. I get so sick in the bathroom so so sick I don't know if it was because all the medicine all the anxiety who knows I mean I got stressed so uh, I I called JPL and I said you need to pick me up like I'm not well and I live uh I used to live 1.2 miles from 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 work (laughs) and in those 1.2 miles we had to pull over a couple times because I was physically ill and wow. so, you know, we canceled our flights, we canceled our hotel, we canceled everything. And we're like, we're not going to New Orleans, like we need to stay here and, you know, address this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Wow. So, you know, they had shared in the hospital that six months later, you'd have another relapse. How has it been since you've been diagnosed? Yeah, so six months later, and And I just want to preface this, that I am speaking strictly from my own personal experience, uh, my own personal wellness journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do not pretend to be a medical professional, nor do I ever want that to be the perception. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing this strictly from my own experience. Um, If you or a family member think that you may be uh, undergoing some sort of condition, please go seek medical advice and go seek your medical doctor. Do not take Anything I have to say is your own personal advice because Mm -hmm. a medical journey is a very personal journey. Mm -hmm. So I just want to preface it with that. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Two things happen. Number one is I had to make sure that my physical health was in order. Um, You know, at that point, I, you know, I've always been genuinely pretty healthy. I mean, I don't work out. I've always admitted to being a little on the lazy side, actually not a little on the lazy side, on the lazy side, a lot on the lazy side. I don't work out, Um, you know, but, but we really had to uh, think about, okay, what's, what's my journey here? You know, I I don't want to be back in six months. Right. I don't want to need that cane. Mm-hmm. And so the first part was my physical well-being and the second part was my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, starting with the mental well-being piece of it, um, I was very privileged that uh, at the time my employer had a counselor come on site every Tuesday to meet with employees, you know, on a confidential basis. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and her and I got along fabulously, and um, and so that Tuesday, uh, so I get discharged from the hospital Wednesday. I go to the office on Thursday, and then I take the time off. And then when I come back to work that Monday, I email her and I set an appointment with her on Tuesday. And uh, she's still my therapist today. So shout out to her. Um, (laughs) And I said to her, I said, "Uh, something's come up and I need to talk to someone about it. And she said, absolutely. I went in, I sat down with her and I was just a puddle of grief um, a puddle of shock. Mm-hmm. And she really helped me understand and comprehend the fact that me grieving was okay. Yeah. Me not being okay was okay. Um, she really just helped me comprehend like Gabby, you don't have to be a badass all the time. Like you can take, you're, a, break. You're, you can take a break, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you can give yourself some grace right now because you're going through a lot. You know, she helped me understand that what I was going through was trauma. Yeah. And, and, and she labeled it as such. And that for me was like, oh, you're right. Like, is this trauma? This is really traumatic experience that I'm going through. Absolutely. I mean, like with, when you see like PTSD, um, it is this the intense fear that either <clears throat> something's going to happen to you, like you're going to die or somebody else close to you, or even watching it happen, not even happening to you. These are all part of the PTSD diagnoses and the trauma that that has happened that has happened to you. These effects of going into just work mode and and um, wanting to be like everything is fine. It's a trauma response. You don't know what to do. It feels like, like it feels not normal, right? And so yeah. you want to get to normality as normality, quote unquote, as quick as quickly as possible. Yeah, and um, you know she was just really good about letting me cope with the way that I felt was best for me at the time. And um, you know I also have a very strong relationship with my spiritual faith, and uh, I really let in, really really leaned into that in a big, big way. Um, I just felt really supported by, you know, believing in a power bigger than my own, bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. And that without a doubt also really helped me through some really, really dark times. Um, And, you know, above all, it was just, again, just giving myself the, the grace, right. To not be okay. Like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, or complementary to that was the, the physical piece. Um, my neurologist immediately recommended um, some treatments. And uh, after researching those treatments, JPL and I made the very personal decision to not move forward with them. Um, we just did a lot of research as far as, you know, looking into side effects, uh, what could happen, um, what's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
none, there aren't any treatments that'll cure it. There are only treatments that claim to slow it down. Yeah. Um, and so we made the very personal decision to not move forward with those treatments on the basis of the side effects that were uh, very, you know, that we knew could happen. I mean, at the moment, they asked me if I was planning on having children anytime soon because of the medications. That to me was very telling. And ultimately, it's because one of the one of the treatments or one of the medications, if I wanted to get pregnant, I would have to take another medicine to basically flush out the first medicine in oh, order wow. for um, like the fetus to not be affected. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm not planning on having kids anytime soon, but my gosh, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot for another medicine that is a lot to have to anybody. flush out another one. Right. So, um, you know, again, uh, I always say that medical journeys are very personal. And for mine, um, you know, my husband and I decided that I wasn't going to go the, the medicinal route. Um, and instead what we did is. I may had a complete overhaul. I don't even want to call it a diet change. I call it a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Um, I eliminated uh, gluten. I eliminated dairy. I eliminated soy. Um, basically anything that would cause inflammation to the body. So along nice. with uh, removing those three things, we also cut out red meat. Um, you know, we, we started focusing on very lean meats, uh, heavy fish, uh, minimizing processed foods again, right. Anything that can help fight inflammation in my body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I lost a lot of weight and, mm-hmm. you know, just strictly mm-hmm. from removing those things and, um, you know, just making sure that my stress levels were, were under, under control. Um, that's mm-hmm. been really big for me too, is just being able to control my stress. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I work a lot and, um, I always have, and I probably always will. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to manage my stress levels in the workplace and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just really give my body that fighting chance. Mm -hmm. Um, I was told that I'd be back in six months. It's now been two years and three months and I feel better than I did before I even went in in the first place. Wow. Um, the headaches. The headaches do come, come and they come really strong. Um, that's the one thing that I still suffer from is just migraine. I mean, before the MS, I never had migraines. And then when I was diagnosed, I was like, you know, coincidentally, I've been having these really, really bad headaches. Mm-hmm. So now I have um, Excedrin like in my purse, in my car, in JPL's car, in his wallet, in my wallet at home, everywhere, at my parents, everywhere, you know, in, you know, back, you know, pre-COVID I'd have, you know, Excedrin packets in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's, that's pretty much the only thing that I still uh, suffer from on a more consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Other things include um, there have been instances where my speech is delayed and I, I noticed it. Mm-hmm. and um or I start stuttering um or slurring my speech a little bit and so I notice I notice those things and so when that does happen I just make a very conscious effort to slow down right and give myself the opportunity to enunciate my words mm-hmm. um you know forgetfulness and just like memory 
uh, issues with memory is another symptom of MS. Um, mm -hmm. I just write everything down, like everything, everything, everything. I write it down. I always like have a huge notebook with me um, for the same reason, because I know that it could possibly happen. So in order for me to avoid that from happening, I just write it all down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but overall, to cope. yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, but overall I'm, I'm very thankful and I'm very blessed that, um, you know, I, I have a, a really incredible partner. Um, mm -hmm. I'm getting really emotional every time I talk about just how incredible he is. Um, but JPL is the epitome of, um, I'm going to make your illness into our wellness. He took that I and illness and made it into a we for him and I and my wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, he also cut out gluten and dairy. <laughs> <laughs> he's feeling real lean these he's, days. Yeah, he's really missing sour cream too, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, it's uh, it's so important to surround yourself with people who who support you emotionally um physically you know my I shared it with a very very small group of my girlfriends um once who I shared it with uh we shed tears together and uh one of them sent me a care package like it was the sweetest thing I came home one day and there was this care package sitting there and it was like all things mm -hmm. to take care of myself you know with this MS uh, my girlfriends who know that I don't eat gluten and dairy, you know, they'll, they'll make special trips. Like for example, during Christmas, I had a girlfriend deliver cookies to everyone and she went and she got me special goodies that were gluten-free and dairy-free because she knows I don't eat that. And she like delivered it to me, which is really sweet. And, you know, so again, special. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's <clears throat> about surrounding yourself with people who will support you in the good, the bad, and the ugly <clears throat> and the unknown. Right, right. Yeah, and, it's so uh, important to have these supportive people around you and and uh, just knowing that you're not alone, that even if it feels like you are, that you have, like you said, an incredible partner and, and people that really love and care about you and that are, are there for you when you when you need them. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, just um just like my mental health journey too through this all, you know, during after the grief part came the, how do I cope with this? And I actually mm -hmm. heavily relied on, on uh, gratitude. I mean, I really made it an effort to find all the things I needed to be grateful for. And that became a huge source of comfort for me, mm -hmm. of not looking at it as like, I'm sick. I now have this lifetime disease on my shoulders. And instead of looking at it as I woke up today and I'm feeling okay. Yeah. I'm a today, today I didn't have a headache. Yeah. Today I felt my speech going, but I, I, I was able to control it. Um, today I found really delicious new gluten-free dairy-free cookies that I'm really excited about <laughs> um it turned into acts of finding the things to be excited about be happy about and and holding on to those things yeah yeah because that that mindset you know like if if it's always like a um 
like the going into the worst possible situations and that really you know really takes an effect on how we feel about ourselves of course and the outlook on on things gets really really affected and so being able to turn it around and i like that like strength based and looking at it at, with gratitude um, yeah and the uh, things that you can do versus the things that you can't do right and you know I spent maybe about a year in that frame of mind, right? The gratitude piece, the gratitude piece. And then about a year, this is early in 2020, I, it just hit me like a sack of bricks. Mm -hmm. And I went, I went to go, you know, seek a, a therapist again, because I just felt like, oh my gosh, I never mourned this. Like I never mourned the new normal, like, I went into such a reactionary, like self-preservation mode through gratitude, through, you know, changing my lifestyle and like really focusing on that, that I never actually mourned the fact that, mm -hmm. hey, Gabby, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. And that's really scary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went back to therapy and, you know, even my therapist told me like, you know, you that was your defense mechanism and that was your survival skill yep. and you held on to that and it's been you know a year now and now you're you're coming back to the realization right it's still stages of, of grief you know yeah um, bargaining comes in and if i would do this will i get that and you know the depression and sadness and anger even all right. part of it. yeah all absolutely right. and, and, and never in a linear line either it's not linear comes as as a depending on where you are yeah it's it's not but um again right just going back to to how important you know just mental health and mental wellness is and <laughs> mm -hmm. um you know just giving being given that space to mourn with a professional you know like mm -hmm. why am I crying about this you know a year later and you know she was like because you're this is how you're still grieving and, you know, she mm -hmm. brought that to, to my attention. She said, you're still grieving and mm -hmm. it's okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so now, you know, when you invited me to come chat with you, uh, you know, at first I was like, dang, I don't want to, for people to hear this story. And in Spanish, it's causar lastima, you know, mm -hmm. or, or have people feel sorry for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, at one point, JPL is like, what if your boss hears this? And I was just like, let him. Let him hear it. I was yeah. say, let him hear it. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, he's great. And, you know, but <laughs> I, I just never want to be in a position where I'm offered or I'm given, you know, uh, special privileges because of, of this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if anything, I just, I, I really focused on the fact that I have multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis does not have me, right? Like that's that's the frame of mind I, I, I approach everything with. Um, well, so, you know, did I did I work a little longer? I did, right after the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Did I work a little harder? I did, a lot harder. Um, because I I needed to prove to myself um, that I was going to be okay. And again, another self-preservation, self, 
you know, self-care tactic of mine, right? Where it's just like, no one's telling you to do these things, Gabby, but there you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, there, there's a lot that comes with like the stigma of, you know, talking about these things. Yeah, They like say that MS, MS is, a, it's two parts. So they say that MS is a snowflake because every person's uh, symptoms and experience is very, very, very different than the next. And the second is, you know, MS is like the site, it's, it's a silent disease. Like you see me and I think I look okay. I mean, I don't know. You tell me, you just saw me yep. for dinner a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't, unless I talk about it, you know, I don't tell people like, Hey, I just, I just came back from like sitting in the closet for 30 minutes. Cause I had a really bad migraine and I was just trying to block out the light, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think for, for most, for a lot of people, it's like that. And, and uh, interestingly enough, though, as I started sharing with a couple people that I felt comfortable with, they opened up and they shared with me about their own autoimmune journeys, mm-hmm. autoimmune disease journeys. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And they're like, yeah. Like you're not the only one. It's maybe yes. doesn't feel as lonely. A hundred percent. And, you know, if anyone's listening today and, and they they want to chat like please reach out if you want to reach out to me and I'm a complete stranger I'm happy to talk to you if, <laughs> if one of your loved ones is going through something and you want you know some tips on how to support them I'm happy to talk to you but you're not alone yeah yeah and I really admire just like you know your courage and strength and being here and I think that was the biggest piece that I I wanted to bring awareness to this and I I'm so grateful that you said yes, because um, it's not something that people just kind of outwardly say, and not that anybody should, um, but at least being able to normalize a little bit more, seeing that I've never heard of anybody that I know personally that has had this. I don't feel like it's very, uh, it probably is prevalent in the Latino community, but very much like a hush-hush, or that's just how they are. You know, that's a very normal statement that I feel mm-hmm. often said, así son, así es él o así es ella. Um, and so I really am so appreciative that you were comfortable enough to share this because I can guarantee you that somebody that's listening is like, I know exactly what she's going through or I've been through something similar or I know somebody that has, whether it be MS or another autoimmune disease. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, that's all I hope for is that folks know, um, again, right. Just acknowledging my own privilege of, of having such a strong support system and, you know, my family, my partner, um, my friends, uh, even my work, you know, my, my boss was so supportive. I mean, my boss and my boss's boss were just like, whatever you need, don't even question it, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and just really feeling that support in the workplace, which again, I was so scared to tell them, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was just like, I don't want them to feel that like, if I can't do your job or something, yeah, that I can't do my job anymore. And if I have a headache, that I'm like faking it, you know, and, and uh, again, there's just a lot of stigma that comes with it. And I, and I really hope that more conversations like the one you and I are having today help break that stigma. Um, you know, it, multiple sclerosis is, uh, it is a disability recognized by the ADA. 
Um, and, and I, I, I try my best not to remember that, you know, I try my best to, to not acknowledge the fact that it is a disability, but you know, it is, um, okay, and, so and that you're still living your life in the best way that you can and coping, um, which sounds like really, really good techniques. Yeah. Shout out to my therapist. I know she's probably <laughs> listening to this and I just, I have a lot of gratitude for her. She's, uh, she's, she's been instrumental and, uh, as have my family and my friends and, and yeah, multiple sclerosis awareness. Um, happy to, to answer any questions from anyone ever. Um, and again, right. Every person's experience is vastly different from the next. So yeah. well, Gabby, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Again, like I just admire your strength and resilience and, and just sharing your story because I know that it's not easy. Um, but I really am so grateful that you were open to sharing it um, with me and the and those that, that are that are listening, because I'm sure that it can it can definitely bring awareness and allow others to be able to say, yeah, me too. So I really, really thank you. Yeah, and, and I thank you for for all the work you're doing and and continuing to further these stories, right, and, and expand these stories within our, our Latino community and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just bringing this awareness to the table from a mental health standpoint, as well as you know, just a physical health standpoint. Um, yeah. I just want to express my gratitude to you for for doing that, and thank you for the invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, invitations open to anyone who, who wants to reach out and chat more. Mm-hmm. Um, open to connecting with anyone who might need it. Perfect. So I'm going to link Gabby's uh, email address uh, somewhere in the box below so that uh, you can reach out to Gabby. But again, I I thank you so much for being here. Um, And please, uh, you know, comment, message us if you have any questions, if you want to connect with Gabby, I can always do like a warm introduction. So please reach out. Um, But I want to thank you, Gabby, again, for being here and everybody for listening. Um, yeah, any final words? No, just I hope everyone's having a great day. All right, everyone, take good care and we'll we'll see each other next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy, etc. I hope you were able to gain something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to provide a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to learn more about, send a message and follow us on Instagram at Therapy ETC Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care and be well.